0: The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. We welcome our online listeners to the True Grace series. We've been in the middle of discussing the idea of the world's view, which is now quite popular in the churches, the world's view of grace versus what the Word of God truly does say about grace. Uh, Sermons that are ahead of this explaining the grace aspect from the Word of God, and we've just started a sub-series, called the law and the character of God. In order to understand the true balance between law and grace, you have to understand also the law. Now, what would happen if we completely removed the law from society? What would happen? Chaos? Why would it be chaotic? Okay, so basically here's what we got. So God creates all of that, right? And he creates the earth. And then he creates Adam and Eve. And he puts them in a garden. And then, you know, the enemy's there. And there's this great deception. And and the enemy begins to deceive Eve. And she falls for this little lie. And then she feeds Adam, you know. And he falls. And they're both... Naked and ashamed, or they were naked before, interesting enough. And so they are naked and ashamed, and then immediately there were consequences. Now God shows up in the cool of the day, and he calls out to Adam. Now that either means God doesn't have good eyesight, and he's not able to see us at all times, or he is setting things up for the people At that point, it's just Adam and Eve to be responsible. Am I going to lie to God the Father? Or am I going to tell the truth? And what happens? I mean, God says, Adam, where art thou? I don't know if God speaks King James or not, but why not? (laughs) Adam, why art thou hiding? It was Eve's fault. And that's exactly what he is. He stays behind this bush because he's naked. Well, he was naked before and it wasn't a problem. So that choice that he made brought shame. And that shame led him to hide, which is a problem to this very hour all over the world. Well, he asks a second time, but this time he says, Why are you hiding? And Adam probably figured, I'm not going to be able to escape the accountability of God. So he steps out, I'm assuming, he steps out from behind the bush, and he he says exactly what Steve says, Well, the woman which thou hast given me, she gave this fruit of me, and I ate. God did not have a discussion or a counseling session with Adam. He immediately moved to Eve, and he says... Eve, what is this great thing that thou hast done? And of course, she took responsibility, right? No, she said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So now we have this this passing the blame thing right from the beginning. Now, I've been in ministry many years, and my greatest frustration is sharing truth with someone and they feel cornered and the game kicks in. If they can't run and hide, then they start using the blame game. But that's just where it came from. Of course, as you know, the story, he goes to the serpent. There is no question asked of the serpent. He just said, to your belly you shall go. And that's when he got his first name. Lucifer was his name in heaven. And this is the moment that he gets the Hebrew word name Satan, which means black snake or black serpent. And that's when he gets his title. Okay. Now they get leaves, they they you know, they tried to cover themselves up, and God covers them with animal skins, and you kind of know the story how it progresses, and he the, his first two sons, we have Cain and Abel, and of course that went well. No, first sin out of the shoot is murder over sacrifice. So Abel was To bring the first animal. Little lamb. For sacrifice. And Cain was to bring the first of his grain. And people think it was an issue of grain versus blood. And that was not the case. It was his attitude. That got him in trouble. The attitude about sacrifice and service. And we know how the story turned out. Abel gets killed. Seth replaces him, the next son. God sends Cain off into the the wilderness, the dark forest. Now I want to ask you a question. What happened from that moment all the way to Noah, 949 years later? 949 years later. Do you realize that Adam was still alive when Noah was born? Adam got to see the devastation of biting into that fruit. The world was so wicked. There were beasts flying in the air. There were beasts roaming the earth that were large as what we call dinosaurs. There were wicked people that we can't even describe. In fact, I don't think that you could tell the difference between humanity and and the spirit world. It was so bad. Now here's my question. How did it get that bad? How'd that happen? No law. law. See, the law is something for you to compare your behavior to. They had no law. So when people ask, why in the world God give us all these laws... It's so that you could compare what you're doing, your behavior, up against God's behavior. The law is God's behavior in demonstration. And it would produce something. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Someone please read for us Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. Someone else look up Isaiah 42, verse 8. And then Isaiah 48, verse 11. And as soon as you get it, just go ahead and start reading it. Okay, so here's our basic theme. God is making it very clear that he is not going to give his glory to another, particularly an idol. Now, when we look around in our church today, For you to answer what idols you see that the church is suffering with, the list will be long, even in your own mind. From money to our pastors being driven around in limousines, flying around in Lear jets, and the list goes on and on and on. The church is very confused today. And God is saying something very simple, and he's saying... This is my name. This is my glory. And I will share it with no man. And I certainly will not share it with an idol. That creates a problem for all of us. Because when you truly understand becoming indwelt by the living Lord Jesus Christ through the representation of the Holy Spirit, We do share His glory. We do get His last name. We become His bride. So what's going on here? Is God kind of a hypocrite a little bit? Does God really mean what He says? Oh, yes. You see, if we had... A two glasses of water, and we took a picture filled with well, if you want to use the real illustration, blood, but just say red dye, and you poured it into one glass, and then I just scooped up a few tablespoons of dirt and stirred the other glass. That's what you have when the substance. That is added to creation. Which is what happened in the garden. Eve received the darkness. The, the dirt. The filth. Of the enemy. Into her very being. And thus become. And became. Dirty water. And the blood. That goes into that cup. And you stirred up. And you, if you handed that glass to someone. And said. I'll give you a million dollars if you can separate that out. Unless you become one with whatever it is God's talking about, he will not share his glory with you. But see, he gives all of his glory to his son, and we become one with his son through salvation. Therefore we literally behold the glory of the living God. 602292 2982, if there's someone listening that really is having a hard time understanding the oneness that we have in Jesus Christ, text me, call me. We need to get these details straightened out in your mind. Let's take a look at our teaching for today. The law in God's behavior. There's been so many teachings on the law on human behavior, that the identity of the law started to become based in that definition. That is not what it means. And I'll show you. Behavioral categorization and behavioral function were not the overall purpose of the law. The behavioral directors were for a much deeper, larger, bigger reason, than we have been trained up to think. It was for the purpose of revealing the behavior of God. See, the reason why the behavior went so crazy for 949 years, there was nothing to compare their behavior to. There was nothing to look at it and say, well, here's how God functions. Do you know how many people survived that demonic delusion? No. Noah. His wives, his three sons, wives. The wives only survived because they were married. They were one flesh with these three sons. And the three sons probably even got accepted into that oneness because of Noah. The only comments that are made is about Noah being excellent in his service toward God. One. And the rest. The rest. What happens to them? They're destroyed. You can say it. Whatever was not on that ark was a part of the destruction of what happened in the garden that day. And what the world has done is reverse the whole thing. We believe in dinosaurs. We let kids play with them like they're toys. We believe in demonic things. We let them watch R-rated movies and demonic videos. And the list goes on and on and on. These are Christian families. These are indwelt Christian families who are allowing this mixture of taking the dirty water and pouring it into the blood water. And it's creating a crisis with Jesus Christ, and that's what spurs on the second coming. When the church becomes so mixed up that it kind of becomes Laodiceic, seven churches, Laodiceans. One of us, not hot, it's not cold. And what does Jesus say about that? I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And today in the grace world, there is no law. They say the law has gone, it's, it's in the past, that's an Old Testament thing, and, they, and that's how they talk. That's the Jude chapter 1 verse 4 passage where it says there are some who are marked for condemnation that sneak their way into the church and proclaim a grace that is actually a license. And that's what's happening to our churches. Oh God, I know your law is alive. I know your laws well. And I know your law is a description of your character. God's purposes for the law were within the context of human history, was to produce failure. It wasn't to help the people in the Old Testament. It was to say to the people, you are never going to be like me. You're never going to hit the mark. This is who I am these these 916 or 613 laws is a description of me and you're never going to make it you're a failure the words that our society and our church today hates hearing they hate it i have no problem saying today I am a failure. I am nothing outside of Christ. I have no problem saying that. but you turn me on to the power of the Holy Spirit, and I can talk all day long about miracles. But Steve Finney's nothing. He's a nobody. I don't share the glory by stealing it from God. I share in the glory by the release of the spirit within me. That's how I get to share it. He is the righteousness of his father. He is the fulfilled law character of his father. And since I'm married to him, I get to join that. And I know that's difficult to understand at 602-292-2982. There was an occasion... There was a place, and these within the context of time and space, that God chose to introduce his law and employ his law in order to provide a divine, holy comparison of man versus God. Just so you could stand up and say what Satan deceived Eve about, he said, you can be like God. Okay? Okay? That's the first lie, the first deception and it put the whole world on its way to hell to this hour. I am not God and neither are you. And I know that to be true because I can look at the Old Testament and the laws of God and realize that real quick. take the law away, there's no more comparison. There's a movement within our world today to remove the laws of God from the church. If you don't believe me, you might want to do a little research. People react to laws. You can't tell people what to do anymore. They're just, owie! Every time someone says... Don't do that. They're like, you can't tell me what to do. It's kind of like a little four year old. You can't tell me what to do. You're not my father. And it's bringing destruction because it's removing the law. Satan's goal is to remove the law so there's no comparison. Once the comparison is gone, he'll get the state of the world to be like those 949 years where people will not be able to know what's spirit and what's human. Kind of like some of our movies. I always know the condition of the minds of the humans by seeing what movies are coming out this year. It's very easy. And the movies today is basically what's human, what's fiction, what... Is that a demon or is that a... Cartooners, uh, our kids don't know. That was the condition before the flood. They just didn't know anymore. So it's a goal for the enemy, for our world. The first historical purpose of the law might be called its, its, its essential purpose since it pertains to the revelation of the essence of the very character of the living God. So hopefully when you hear about the law, you're going to think about the character of God. Now many of you know I'm kind of a pictorial Hebrew freak. Our word for today is Testimony. When you talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament, that's basically an English translation. The Bible is broken up into three parts. Old Testimonies, New Testimonies, and the Book of Revelation. They are separate pieces, contrary to it being in one of your books as one piece. The Old Testimonies is important. So if you're just carrying around a Bible that has a New Testament, I would encourage you, don't do that. You need all three pieces. It's called the Trinity of the Word. Old Testimonies, New Testimonies, Book of Revelation. Now, the Hebrew word for testimony is Idut, which means simply this, see the door and sign. What does uh, Torah mean? Do you remember that from last week? That is the modern Hebrew translation. Pictorial Hebrew was? What's that? What comes from the man nailed to the cross. That's Torah law. What comes from the man nailed on the cross. So the gospel was put in very early on. Now, testimony is what's to come out of that cross. It's to be... What is birthed from that man nailed to the cross? New testimonies. New Testament. So now, when we go over here and look at the actual Hebrew word pictures, the original Hebrew word pictures, they they didn't look like this modern Hebrew. They look like this. So, testimony is the eye, what you see you see the door. You see what's nailed to the cross. God put the gospel in the Old Testimonies from the very beginning. So you wonder why the Hebrew was written, rewritten so many times? That's called a duh. Duh. The enemy was removing and continues to remove for the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, the gospel of Jesus Christ. When it's there, always has been. So now when we look at this, when we read through the raw Hebrew word pictures, it reads, to see the door or pathway that reveals the man nailed to the cross. How much clearer does it get that every story in the old testimonies is about a preparation for Jesus Christ. Every story. That's why Jesus quoted. He's saying, for I am like Jonah, who spent three days in the belly of the fish, three days in the tomb. All those stories was for Jesus, for the New Testimonies to start. By making use of an additional Hebrew word, 228, We see that the door pathway is the law, resulting in to see the law as the pathway that reveals the man nailed to the cross. Would Jesus come to fulfill? The law. We have destroyed the original gospel by our constant rewrites, it's shameful in an unsaved way that's why in the Jack the Journey series I use the concept the eye of the tree the eye of the cross Jesus himself said it's easier to get a rich man through the oh yeah it's easier to get a camel through the eye of the needle than it is to get a rich man into heaven Jesus wasn't just saying that. It's a Hebrew word picture. So the birthing canal, as with a woman, is very, very small and tiny. And it does not open up until the birth process has been commissioned. That's exactly how salvation is. It's a tiny, 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 narrow passage. And it will not open up for anyone until God says, Now. And it receives through the cross and their salvation. It's a beautiful word picture. He might have created women that way. What do you think? Here's kind of how this looks in a word picture Death to life. So the enemy's here are constantly pushing through temptations, through the world, the flesh, and himself. And he's constantly pushing. He doesn't even realize, maybe he does, that God is actually using the world, the flesh, and the devil to bring this person to this birthing point. He's pressing in. God's using these, these things and the way he does it is through the law and character of God. Having them no, they're missing the mark. So the law is to bring about this failure feeling so you just go, I, I need something. I, I need somebody. I, I, I just feel I need a new life. That used to be the way we used to lead people to Christ. Not anymore. Today we just say, Are you a Christian? Well, yeah. I grew up Christian good it doesn't mean the same thing today that it used to so God is using all of this in Romans 3 20 is revealing that to us of the law of sin and death which leads us to the laws a tutor that leads us to Christ and God is actually pressing down the closer you're getting to your moment of salvation, which is handpicked for you. You don't bring it on by door knocking or anything else, it's handpicked by the living God for that moment to take place, just as a baby is to be born. And then there's this final little moment. And the passageway, which is the mark. The perfect mark. And Jesus says, I'll tell you what. I will actually fulfill that mark for you. That expectation. That perfection. And when our Lord has brought you to this point, the cross will open up to you. And you shall receive the life of Jesus Christ into your mortal body through the representation of the Holy Spirit. Salvation doesn't mean that in most churches today. It means I believe in Jesus and I follow him. Which is the Greek definition of Christian. But it is not well Christian. Mormons believe they're Christians. Christlims believe they're Christians. And the list is 320 religions in the world today use the term Christian. But does that mean... They have the life of Christ in them. I think you already know the answer to that. You see, the law gets fulfilled so that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus gets released in you. And that's what this mark is for. So, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. This is the law of sin and death. This is the law of the spirit of life. The law still in action. And then it's still kind of hard right after you get saved and it gets easier until you get to the point where you are free as Christ is free in your daily experience. The pathway or the passage, birthing canal of salvation. To see that diagram... Go back to the playlist and look at the PDF symbol next to the microphone, double click on that, and you can download the very slides we're teaching from today. Next slide says, God created man to bear his image in an indwelt faith relationship, God and man, and thus to allow the invisible character of God to be manifested visibly in the behavior of man. That's why he created Adam and Eve. He was actually watching them function behaviorally in the perfection of God in them, the Father in them. They they had no reason to be dysfunctional. None. There was no separation. But as soon as that sin thing took place, there was a separation from the presence of God. Now we need the law. God can only be glorified once again by divine expression of his all-glorious character in man's behavior through the enablement of his indwelling presence by placing his son Jesus in humans through the what we call the exchange life and that's I die, he lives. It's an exchange. I die, he lives. My life is put to the cross. Romans 6.6 6, And his life is given to me as a gift. So God, uh, God, God only desires to express himself within his creation. Pre-fall it was in design. Post-fall it is in Christ alone. In the fall of man into sin in Adam... Man lost the presence of God indwelling his spirit, plain and simple. The law revealed God's intent for the behavior of mankind by revealing the character of God. All of a sudden, when they started hearing all these laws and you've got to keep in mind that the law didn't come to us until Moses, these people had nothing to compare outside of the stories handed from generation to generation, from Noah to his sons and then so forth and so on. And it started to get pretty dicey again, didn't it? So this was critical that the law was given to us so we can have that standard to look at our behavior versus God's behavior and go, hmm, I am certainly not him. So why do I try to act like him God is singular exclusive worthy to be worshiped personally he is a rational reasonable loving God that says I am the I am and I have a gift for you and the only way you can get this gift is to go through the eye of the cross Through the law revealed the character of a good and righteous God. Since man could no longer hear God from within, he revealed his words of the law of his character by writing the covenant on the hearts of man. The law did not provide grace, but it provided mercy. Grace is new testimonies. Mercy is old testimonies. Critical thing to keep in mind. So when you hear David talking about the mercies of god the only time grace is mentioned in the old testimonies the old testament is when an english translator put the word in there grace only happens through christ because it is one of his names mercy is old testament and they did get mercy in the old testament many of them did The Ark of the Covenant is really critical. I want to explain that piece to you before we quit. The law was not only an instrument, a tool used by God, it was His uh, representative until Jesus came to fulfill the law and finish things off. Even though it is viewed by the early Hebrews as a thing or an entity or an object which was formed into a legal system, it was much more than that. It was placed into the Ark of the Covenant, illustrating his very presence. And that's why these guys would carry the Ark of the Covenant around, and when they would have to stop for a year, two years or more, they had to build the tent in three pieces, and they had to carefully lay the Ark in the Holy of Holy rooms, because it was the presence of God inside the Ark. And if someone handled that in a very trivial way, they would die. If they rubbed up against the ark, you're dead. It's over. You don't take God's presence lightly. That's what the ark was for. Is to say, I am with you and put me in this ark. The wood was made out of the same wood the cross was. It was the same wood that they were required to throw into the Lake Moriah that was bitter. That wood was specially perfection ordered by God. Then they had to put seven layers of gold on it. Well, that's accidental, I'm sure. Then these tablets had to be laid in there because the law was the presence of God. Then the other thing they had to lay in there was Moses' staff that was passed down to Aaron and then when Aaron was getting old ready to, to go on, this staff had to be put inside the ark and it would bloom every year. And it was dead. Well, that's right out of the New Testament. That life comes from death. And so the other thing that was put in there is the manna. And that was God's statement to the people. You don't ever have to worry about what you're going to put on your body or what you're going to eat. I'll take care of you. I can make it so your sandals never wear out. I can make it that you'll, you'll never go hungry again if I want it. The trinity of God's promise. Presence, power, and provision. The Ark of the Covenant, that Ark... Is the Old Testament picture of you, and when you entered in to the New Testimonies, you became the temple of the Holy Spirit. His presence, fulfilled law, was put inside your ark, and I, it doesn't get any clearer than that. And you think that this ark thing they are carrying around just kind of funky to think about, and not even sure what it was for or what it. It was very clear. The law is the presence of God. Jesus fulfilled the law, made the presence of God available to you and I when we become born again. Restored. As if we never sinned. Here's the two primary motivating factors of the law is to reveal sin and then the need for a savior. Plain and simple. So, they didn't even know what sin was unless it had something to compare it to. That's what discipleship is. A lot of times you got to work with people to help them understand so they know, really? That's wrong? That's a sin? They'd never heard it before. So if you could get discipleship out of the church confrontation out of the church and you just keep removing the the law these people are going to think well i can go get married to another gay person and we can have a marriage and you know get someone else to have kids for us but you know and they think it's god i can't tell you how many discussions i'm in with gay people and gay leaders gay pastors worship leaders That I've had to deal with in discipleship and counseling who say, God made me this way. Really? Why can't you two have a baby? Why can't you produce new life? Why do you have to steal it from us? See, the logic is gone. But somehow we start buying in to those lies. And it changes the church. So now we have homosexual pastors, we have you know, the list goes on and on. And people are just like, Well, that's their thing. Well, I don't function that way. I will not have the image of my husband, my savior, my lord projected out as a as one gal shared with me recently. He's not male or female. You hear that? That came out of the new NIV translation. That Jesus isn't male or female. Was he in it? And do you see what's happened is that the church is buying into Jesus is not even your husband. It was perfect. Well done, Satan. For now. All because the law is is gone. But it's not really. But they're removing it. There's no comparison in the church anymore. So when you hear strong teachers and preachers, as a psychologist said to me from Texas this week, which I know you're listening, and I appreciate your kind words and the encouragement you gave me, but she said, rarely do I hear anyone preach like you anymore who says it because God said it, you believe it, you can tell you believe it, and you're immovable. And that's exactly how I would look at myself. Because truth is truth. I have no prerogative to change it or to water it down, to make it Laodiceic. I have no prerogative to do that. I am not he. But there are thousands of people running around the earth that are saying they won't come out and tell you this, but they will confess with their behavior, I am he. I changed the Bible the way I want it to say. And that's what's happened to us. Our identity matter statement for tonight is it must be explained... That the law did not make man a sinner. That was not the fault of the law. That would be like blaming God for sin. You say, well, he put the dirty devil in the tree to start with. Hmm. God tests whom he loves. That's right out of the word, by the way. Quote, unquote. God tests whom he loves. You don't think he didn't love Adam and Eve? Of course he did. Oh, but the love, testing the love thing didn't happen until Jesus. Wrong. It's in the Hebrew. God tests what he makes. Steve, when you build something, I was even watching you do it on a project we were working on together. You were testing it, making sure that it was functional. He did that with Adam and Eve. Very wise builder. So in finishing, we must not blame the law, God, for what should be properly blamed on Satan, the dark snake. The law was used by God to reveal the sin that was in mankind and more specifically in Satan and his demonic followers. Sin was birthed through Satan as Lucifer, an angel of light. It needs to be noted that it was Lucifer who missed the mark of the character of God by revealing his own perfection owning God's character as his own I am he and that did not set well with God God removed him like a bolt of lightning no therapy folks no discipleship no warnings if you own God's glory it's over It's finished. Unless you go through the... way of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get married to Him. And you can share... in the presence and holiness of God. As a spouse. That's just mind-bending to me. I love it. As a result of doing this, he was rejected by God, put in prison on earth now named Satan, the snake that devours life, finds a sin eater for himself, mankind, and proceeds to use man as a beating post for his own sin, falling short of the character of God. So that's what he's doing to unsaved people. He's using them as a beating post. And that's why Christ had to be tied to the beating post and beaten for you. He had to be the beating post for you. Some of you may be under conviction to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To go through that tiny little eye of the cross. To be pulled through to that rebirth experience. We have a sample prayer in the PDF that goes with this audio podcast that uh, if you just need to read over something that's doctrinally sound, pray about it, and then just pray. Don't pray these words. Just pray. Let the Lord lead you to repenting uh, for being a part of Satan's domain, and you want to be delivered and adopted into Christ's domain, the kingdom of God. Consider praying over this.